Okay, this is December 6, 2012. Not 2012, but 2020. <laughs> and uh, we just took we just took prayer requests, and I'm going to let Brother Thurman pray for us. Maybe he'll remember the year we're at. <laughs> oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you so much for this day. And Father, you've heard all the prayer requests. And Father, you know that all that we've been through even on this week. And Father, we just ask that in the name of Jesus, since you said, Lord, if you be lifted up, that you would draw all men unto you. Lord, I ask you to continue to draw at this time. Most of all, draw your saints, saints closer to you at this time. Lord, as we intercede for the needs that need to be met on today. Lord, we're lifting up the Wingham family. Lord, we praying in the time of this bereavement that, Father, that you would comfort, send the Holy Ghost to comfort like never before. Most of all, Father, you will draw them to the Savior on today as you will break down the generational curses today. Lord, and most of all, Lord, and you would replace because your name is above every name. Every knee, every knee is going to bow to your name. So, Lord, we ask that you would save and break every curse today in the Wingham family. Lord, save in the mighty way today. Oh, Lord, deliver in the name of Jesus. Lord, even the, the needs that need to be met that has been spoken openly and, then, and those that that's not even has been spoken. But yet, Father God, meet that need today. We know that you are the intercessor. And, Lord, and you are the Prince of Peace. And, Lord, this country definitely needs peace. And, Lord, they're trying to get it without Jesus being involved. But, Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you allow your hands, oh, Father God, to reach down, oh, Lord, and just draw men out of darkness on today. Lord, we know that you're able. You said we have not because we ask not. We ask in the name of Jesus. But, Father, meet every need today. Be with even the young man that Brother Clemens brought up, Tony. Oh, Father God, that needs, oh, God, your presence. Oh, Lord, to even bind the hands of the enemy right now. Satan, you allow the blood of Jesus is against you. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And, Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, you deliver that young man right now. Oh, Lord, free him right now in his mind, his soul right now in the name of Jesus. We believe that by faith. Oh, God, you deliver him right now. And, Lord, I thank you for your presence, most of all for your anointing, and to be upon our teacher today. Lord, I just pray we will continue to lift him up because the enemy works. He tried to work in all of our lives. Oh, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he cannot even ever tell the truth. So, Lord, I'm asking you would let the captive be set free. Most of all, bless our teacher right now and bless the pastor of this wonderful church. We ask you just continue, Lord, to, to just intervene. And most of all, just, Lord, do what you need to do today. You said with two or three gathering in your name, did you be there in the midst? Lord, we thank you for your presence. And we pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Thurman. Somebody uh, cleaned up my desk this week, so <laughs> I had some extra tests there. I don't know if you all brought your test or not on the, on the uh, unit that we finished studying, the story of the New Testament. And if you did, I'll give you the answers. <laughs> um, first of all, we have true and false, of course. And the first one said, 
Jesus was miraculously born of a virgin, fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy. And that, of course, is true. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised by Christ came on Passover. That threw me off. I thought it was saying Pentecost, so I said true, but it's false because it's Pentecost, of course. Uh, I always miss one. Uh, uh, Paul's journey included taking the gospel to Ephesus, Athens, and Rome. True. Uh, the epistles are letters written by apostles such as Paul to Christians in specific churches or areas, and that's true. Paul wrote three epistles that are included in the New Testament. Of course, that's false. He wrote 13 of them. Uh, Paul identifies the leadership gifts for the church as pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, and leaders. That leaders threw it off. That made it false. And uh, seven, Timothy and Titus were pastors who worked with Paul and were mentioned by him. And that is true. All the epistles in the New Testament were written by Paul. Of course, that's false because we have John and Peter and James as well. Hebrews emphasizes that in the New Testament, the pastor serves as high priest. That's false. That just mentions Christ as being the high priest. Uh, the book of Revelation describes the final culmination of God's plan of redemption. And, of course, that's true. And then we have multiple choice. The first one is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is seen in, it's A, the baptism of Jesus, Two, we have what book of the New Testament traces the expansion of the church from Jerusalem to Rome? That's Acts. Uh, a major outbreak of persecution against the church began with the martyrdom of, and they give you a choice, Peter, Stephen, or Barnabas, and of course that's Stephen. Uh, Paul wrote about believers being brought into right standing with God, which is called Justification is the answer there. Uh, Paul often emphasized the important truth that we are saved through a faith and not by works. And then in his epistle, Paul often compared the church to the human body is the answer, not a courtroom or a conquering nation. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17 records the dead and living Christians being caught up to be with Jesus, a future event that we refer to as the rapture, of course, is the answer. In his epistle, James wrote that faith without works or deeds is a dead. Uh, whom does John identify as the children of God? And that's B, the followers of Christ. And 10 is when Christ returns in triumph, what will be written on his robe? The answer is C, King of kings and Lord of lords. <laughs> Amen. So I hope you all did good on that. Um, so today we start a new unit, and uh, it's on the studies in Isaiah. I, I know... Um, 
the graphic on the screen and everything says the book of Isaiah, but we're not we're not studying the whole book, of course. We're just studying some studies <laughs> in Isaiah. But we do have the whole first chapter that we're studying, that's for sure. Uh, I guess you've heard jokes about good news and bad news, you know, and so there was a doctor that called a patient and said, I have good news and bad news. The good news is you have 24 hours to live. He said, wow, how's that good? What's the bad news? And he said, well, I forgot to call you yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they're always kind of funny, those good news and bad news. And, of course, Isaiah was a prophet that had good news and bad news. And most of the prophets uh, were that situa in that situation where they had good news and bad news. And the bad news, of course, is about judgment that's coming. The good news is God will forgive if they repent. And that's what the central truth says. God will judge the sinner but forgive the penitent. And the key verse is way over in Acts. Acts 3.19, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And so that goes right along with what Isaiah is saying here in the first and second chapters of Isaiah. We saw in studying the... Um, story of the Old Testament, how there was a cycle of disobedience, rebellion, and idolatry, and then it was followed by repentance and promise to serve, and then God sent a deliverer for them, especially when you uh, read the book of Judges. You see that cycle over and over, and um, they, they serve the Lord for a while while they have a good judge, but after he passes, then they go back into idolatry and the cycle of, of sin and idolatry and disobedience. So today's study, uh, I mean, finally, uh, God did send judgment first to the northern kingdom. You remember uh, the uh, kingdoms were divided. I passed out that handout sheet just now. I don't know where you got one of these. Okay. Um, which which is a beautiful chart concerning the divided kingdom of Judah and Israel. And if you notice in red, it, it lists the uh, prophets that were there during those um, time period. And it gives you a time period to check. Um, and then on the second page, you find Isaiah mentioned there along with Micah. They were both contemporaries, Micah and Isaiah. And Isaiah uh, was prophesying during four or five kings. Uh, Uzziah, we know, and Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah. But he also was alive for a while there under Manasseh till Manasseh had him killed. So in a way, it was five kings that that he was uh, able to be a, a prophet to. 
So church leaders often have the task of delivering a difficult message from God to his people. And uh, those messages, though, usually are laced with hope if the hearers repent and obey. And so that's the type of message that Isaiah had. Isaiah's prophecy began with a message to the rebellious nation of Judah. He even compared them to unfavorably to animals who obey and respect their masters. If any of you have pets, they probably know who their master is, you know. And uh, so that's what he was saying there, that, that even the animals know their master, but Israel did not really know their master. His people rebelled against him, and they went through the motions of their religious observances, but were unfaithful and disobedient. So... Um, in these opening verses that we'll be reading, the Lord called the rebellious people of Judah to account for their waywardness. And the heavens and earth are cited as witnesses to Judah's unfaithfulness. So the first part of our outline has to do with the sins of a nation. And uh, uh, Brother Thurman's going to read for us Isaiah 1, 1 through 4. Uh, Isaiah 1, verses 1 through 4 reads, The vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Josiah, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear o, hear, o heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought you up, brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel do not knoweth, my people do not consider. All sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity and a seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are all, they are gone away backwards. Isaiah chapter 1, verses um, 10 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rules of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of feed beasts, of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When ye come, to appear before me who hath required this at your hand to treat my courts. Bring no more vain oblations. License is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. In it, it is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you 
Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. A lot of these prophecies remind us of America, doesn't it? And we need to really pray for our country, that's for sure. The enemy is really trying to take over. And so we just need to continue to pray. Um, but anyway, uh, we are reminded of what Samuel said to Saul, you know, when Saul uh, was told to go kill all the Amalekites and all the animals, and, and he kept the best animals. He said, well, I kept them for sacrifice. And he said, listen, the Lord is more interested in obeying him than the sacrifices. And that's what Isaiah is saying there, that they bring all these sacrifices, but they're not obeying God. They're, they're trying to have it both ways, to, to worship idols as well as to worship God. And that will never work. And so we see that uh, it they were compared to the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah that we know that God destroyed for uh, all the wickedness going on in those cities. And so he said, you're just like that, um, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we would have been as Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, they could have been just completely wiped out, in other words, just like Sodom and Gomorrah was. And so keep that in mind when you read some of these prophecies of Sodom and Gomorrah in Isaiah and other prophets. They're not really talking about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, but they're talking about Judah and Israel because they were sisters um, in the kingdom there, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom and therefore uh, they became just as corrupt almost as Sodom and Gomorrah and look what's happening in the United States with us uh, acknowledging the gay lifestyle and and uh, even same-sex marriage that's all sodomy and Gomorrah stuff you know because they were uh, full of homosexuality there in Sodom and Gomorrah, they even wanted to have sex with these angels that came, you know, to, to rescue Lot. And so anyway, I like what they said to Lot. We can't do anything in judgment until we get you out. So uh, praise the Lord that uh, there are righteous people in America still and calling on God. And, and uh, the full judgment on America is not going to come until he gets us out in the rapture. And then I don't know what will happen to our nation because there's not, um, there's not um, any real reference to the United States during the tribulation period. Some have tried to find it. Of course, I like the word Jerusalem myself because USA is right in the middle of the word Jerusalem. And so... Uh. If you want to find USA, just look at the word Jerusalem. <laughs> and even in Jesus, U.S. is the United States in, in a way. Uh, but it's us. Like uh, a song we sing out there about how that he didn't want to 
do anything without us, you know. And uh, so Jesus, if you take us out, <laughs> you don't have it. Well, it seems to be more on the other side of the world, the uh, uh, tribulation and everything, the mark of the beast. You do have some, like I said, references that some have tried to make for the U.S. and the fact that we're uh, our mascot or we're known as the eagle. And it talks about how the eagle will be there during the tribulation to rescue Israel and take her to a place where the Antichrist cannot reach her and so it could be uh, that we're there to help Israel in that sense but that's another reason why God hadn't destroyed America is because we're Israel's main hope you know and uh, our president you know has done so much for Israel even moving the uh, embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and uh, so God has spared us because we have been behind Israel as a nation. But uh, there are people in Congress that we have now that don't think that highly of Israel. And, and uh, if uh, Biden does get in, it's going to change a lot of, of uh, situations, especially with Israel. All right, then we come to uh, Isaiah 1, 21 through 23 that Sherry has for us. Okay, I'm reading out of the um, NIV today. Uh, verse 21, see how the faithful city has become a prostitute. She once was full of justice, righteousness used to dwell in her. But now, murderers, your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Sorry, I lost track there. But anyway, we see that uh, God is talking about their unfaithfulness, just like a harlot or someone that is unfaithful to their spouse. And so he said that um, you have uh, been unfaithful to me and... Uh, uh, that other verse that we I forgot to comment on your hands are full of blood isn't that true with all the abortions that's going on and uh, he said I, I won't hear you because your hands are full of blood and someone heard or uh, was praying about America and the Lord said I, I hear just too many babies you know crying and I just can't hear your prayer but it is true that he still promises that if you're, if his people are called by the name, 
will humble themselves and pray he will, and turn from their wicked ways. He will hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. So we can still stand on that. And, and uh, that's 2 Chronicles 7.14. So he, he's telling them there about how that uh, they're they're going to have a lot of financial problems their silver will become dross and your princes and re are rebellious and therefore the lord says i will ease me of mine adversaries and avenge me of mine enemies and uh, he's referred to notice as the mighty one of israel and uh, he is that mighty one of israel and so we uh, go back now to uh, 16 through 20. I don't know why it does that, but it does that. <laughs> for their emphasis that Mickey has for us. Isaiah 1, 16 through 20. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings, from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. All right. That's, that's a very famous or quotable verse there, you know. Come now and let us reason. Right. My mother used to teach children's church, and uh, she had what she called, it's in my pocket here, if I can get it out. Let me take the cell phone out. <laughs> there it is. What is called the wordless book. And uh, there's just pages of colors in it. That's all it is. There's no words. And so the first page is a black or dark page and uh, it represented the fact that our hearts were dark with sin until Jesus came in and then his precious blood I know has washed me white as snow and so it's taken from that verse there how that he said though your sins be as scarlet they shall be white as snow Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. And then it concludes with his precious word has told us that we will walk on streets of gold someday. Amen. And so you can, you can lead children and 
anyone to Christ through that wordless book. The, um, if they will repent and change their ways, cleansing from sin is promised. Scarlet and crimson refer to dyes, D-Y-E-S. Scarlet dye was a fast color that could not be washed out at all. And crimson dye was primarily to color wool. And uh, so he was saying, even though you can't wash it out yourself, I can still wash it <laughs> with his precious blood. Amen. And so as white as snow and as untainted as undyed wool, God's assurance was that he could forgive and cleanse them of any sin. So that's a beautiful promise that he gives them there when he says, even though your sins are scarlet and, and red like, like uh, crimson, they shall be white as snow and as wool because that's what they used to dye the wool was crimson and then he says if ye be willing and obedient ye shall eat of the good of the land so uh, God is God wants good things for us and he said just be willing and obedient and you'll be able to eat of the good of the land but if you're disobedient and rebellious the land is going to eat you instead. <laughs> and so that's what he said. If you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with a sword. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So there's a promise of cleansing, but also a promise of judgment if they continue to not repent or to uh, continue in their rebellion and and disobedience and I idolatry the mighty one of Israel was another reminder of his strength no one can stop the Lord when he chooses to act I couldn't help but think of that song we sing the unstoppable God <laughs> amen he he cannot be stopped praise God no one can stop the Lord when he chooses to act Unlike times past when the Lord moved against the enemies of his people, now his hand would be turned against his people to enact judgment. The Lord's actions against his people would result in cleansing, forgiveness, and restoration if they repent. And uh, those who continued in their rebellion against the Lord would perish. And that's why he said... Uh, it will devour you. Uh, so we come to uh, the last part there, judgment and restoration promised. Go back to Isaiah 1, 24 through 31, which will complete the chapter that Brother Thurman has for us. I'll teach you to be absent. <laughs> it's your will. It's your will. All right. Oh, hold on. All right. 
right. Are y'all ready for me again? Okay. All right. We're going from Isaiah 1, verses 24 through 31 this time. Therefore said the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, ha, I will ease I will ease me of mine ad- adversaries, okay, and avenge me of my enemies, and I will turn my hands upon thee, and purely purge away thy dross, and take away all thy tin, and I will restore thy judges as at first, and thy counselors as at the beginning. Afterwards, thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment, and her converts with righteousness. And the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together, and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. Uh, For they shall be ashamed of the oaks which ye have desired, and ye shall be confounded for for the gardens uh, that ye have chosen." For ye shall be as an oak whose leaf fadeth, and as a garden that hath no water. And the strong shall be as tow, and the maker of it as a spark. And they shall both burn together, and none shall quench them. Thank y'all. Well, thank you, brother. So we're looking about judgment and restoration promised. And so he was saying what will happen if they repent and turn to him, they will be restored. And uh, he will, I mean, they will, I mean, I will restore thy judges at, at the first and thy counselors at the beginning. Afterward, thou shalt be called the city of righteousness the faithful city. And that's what America has been ordained to be, you know, a city of righteousness and a faithful city. But uh, we have allowed the enemy to come in and sow all his tares. And, and so we're having uh, need of, rebel- uh, of revival, just like uh, Israel needed revival here, our Judah in this case because Israel had already been taken off captive and that should have been a warning to them and God gave them 200 years after uh, Israel had been taken captive before he sent judgment by Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon against Judah and then they were taken captive and uh so he's, he warned them through Isaiah and Jeremiah that judgment was coming if they didn't get their act together and if they didn't uh, come and reason with the Lord. And uh, he, he's a reasonable God. He says, let us reason together, you know, he, he read a while ago. And how true that is, that he wants us to reason with him and The best way to reason with him is to reason with him with his word and what he has promised in his word. Because he said, remind me of my word, is what he said. So uh, when we come before the Lord, we need to come with the word of God 
and uh, remind him what he has promised in his word, like that verse I quoted a while ago on on uh, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, how he promised that if we would turn to him and turn from our wicked ways, he will hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. And our land definitely needs healing, that's for sure. So just continue to pray for America and pray that God will help us to be again that city of righteousness and a faithful sitting. All right, we conclude with Alyssa uh, in uh, two, Isaiah 2 now, 1 through 5. So we're into the second chapter now of Isaiah. Do what? Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. All right. <coughs> Amen. Over in New York at the United Nations, there's an Isaiah wall. I looked this up on the computer last night because I'd, I'd heard about it, but I wanted to be sure where it was. They have a, a, it's not right on the United Nations, but it's across from the United Nations, and they put that verse on there. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and uh, they're using it as an anti-gun situation you know saying that that we need to surrender our arms and our uh, if all the nations will surrender their arms you know then there'll be peace you know but they fail to acknowledge that this is speaking of when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom then they shall beat their swords in the plowshares. But in Joel 2, 3, I mean, Joel 3. Oh, that was on the computer, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not in the book. <laughs> it, it says uh, just the opposite there in the 10th verse. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. And let the weak say, I am strong. So that contradicts this idea of, you know, surrendering all your arms. Because in the day that we're living, we need those arms. We, we need to beat our plowshares into swords and pruning hooks into spears. But when Jesus comes back, the Prince of Peace, that's when they will learn war 
no more. And the uh, weapons will not be of any use, and they'll, they'll be able to build, be, beat their, beat their uh, swords into the plowshares, and because uh, there won't be any fighting and wars while Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is here ruling for a thousand years. Right, there you go. When he, he comes to that conference table, right, and uh, he won't be elected. They won't be able to, to be a um, fraud election or anything because <laughs> he will say, I am the king of kings and lord of lords, and my word is law. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, that's, he might be elected, I don't know. But anyway, we know Jesus won't have to be elected because he's, he's going to rule as king of kings and lord of lords. So Isaiah usually is uh, not skipping around that much, but, but he goes all the way there to the millennium uh, after talking about the judgment that was coming on, on uh, Judah for their sins. And I see we're out of time. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we, we're, we're thankful that you do have everything under control and that uh, there will be no true peace till the Prince of Peace comes and rules. As we're getting ready to get into this Christmas season, we know that it was Isaiah in the ninth chapter where he promised that the government will be upon your shoulders and you will rule all the nations as prince of peace. Praise God. And we thank you, Lord, for the meaning of Christmas. And we pray that you'll be with the service to follow. Anoint every part of it. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to see everybody here today. Amen. power of the cross. Amen. One way to peace through the power of the cross.